We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's good to have you here. Thanks so much for stopping on by. We've got a good one today. Obviously, we're getting everybody ready for 49ers and Eagles coming up in the NFC title game on Sunday. We got Peter King at 5 o'clock this afternoon. He was at the 49ers-Cowboys game, so it'll be our last look back at the win over Dallas and our first official preview of what is waiting for the 49ers in Philadelphia. We've also got a buddy coming in today, Ray. We got Nick Ferdell, not just on the show, but in studio. He was just in town with the Nets, who uh, just you know upset the Warriors since Kevin Durant wasn't even out there. It was a Warriors home game. They're supposed to win those things, but they didn't. They kind of coughed it up at the end. Nick Ferdell is catching a red eye tonight, which means he can spend this afternoon with us. He'll be in here around 4.15. Let's make him stay till 6 and leave early. No, 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 no. Give him a big hug when he walks into the studio. Big warm greeting. Make him feel at home. I'll make him feel at home. (laughs) We're we're looking forward to catching up with our old pal Nick Ferdell today. And, you know, the only time we're not going to be talking football is basically when Nick is in here and we're going to be talking NBA. We're going to be talking Warriors. We're going to be talking a little bit about trade deadlines and moves. And the only other topic that we're going to have today is either going to appear right now or it's going to appear there isn't very much to talk about at this particular time. We are about to find out, Ray Ratto, whether or not anyone will be elected into Baseball's Hall of Fame. The ballot is about to be revealed to us on MLB Network, and we were talking about this before the show started today, and this could be a class of zero. Second one in three years, if that's what happens. And I cannot imagine that the Hall of Fame will be happy about that. But they're the ones who changed the rules and made it harder for guys to get in because lopping off five years from their eligibility meant that they have less time to build momentum if they're not first balloters. I would say Todd Helton, who's got a lot of buzz this morning, is, you know, if if he topped out in Hall of Very Good, that would feel about right to me. But if they want to let him in, he was a good hitter. Todd Helton, maybe. Billy Wagner is a maybe. Scott Rowland is a maybe. Rowland is the most likely by by the votes that uh, Ryan Thibodeau assembles every year. Um, he's become the de facto oracle about who gets in and who doesn't because right. he's the one who sought out anybody who wanted to put out a public ballot. And now he, if you want to put out a public ballot, he's the guy you go to. So You put out your public ballot, don't you? I don't. What I do is I let the BBWA announce my ballot two weeks after the uh, the announcement just because I don't think anybody cares who I vote for. I know I don't. Well, you probably shouldn't have a vote then. Oh, uh, no, I, no question. But it's... Uh, they, I, can find, they can find my vote. They just have to wait two weeks. Why bother? Why not just come out with it right in the way? Or, or are you afraid that the power of Ray Ratto has so much influence over the sports conversation in America that you might get someone elected who should not be in or something like that? No, my theory is that we've spent so much time fetishizing who gets to vote and who doesn't that it becomes its own annoying talking point. And Well, I will say this about your voting colleagues. Most of you are douchebags who got no idea what they're freaking doing. 
Well, that's not true. Well, ba- okay, what's your basis for that? The inconsistency across the board in the steroid era. Again, angry at steroids, Manny in on the first ballot. All of you go to hell. All of you. It's just ridiculous to me. Okay, but not everybody agrees with that. But I enough. Mean, if you voted for Manny and didn't vote for Bonds, you have zero credibility in any vote you'll ever tar- take part in in my life. Well, but you so you get to you get to evaluate that on a case by case basis because you just have to you would have to go back through the votes that were made public and you say, well, who voted for who voted for Manny Ramirez and who didn't vote for Barry Bonds? And then you can curse them individually. But there are a lot of people who have sort of my view on the steroid era, which is if baseball wanted to do something about it, they would have they would have pressed charges because technically what what those guys were doing was illegal and against the law, not against the rules of baseball. It was against the law to have stuff like that without a prescription from an accredited doctor. But they never bothered with any of that, and they took all the money that those steroided guys provided for them. Sure did. No refunds. No so, refunds. So my worldview has always been, if baseball's okay with it in the most material way, then baseball's okay with it. So we'll see if Major League Baseball lets anyone in the Hall of Fame. We'll share that with you when it happens. They're looking at 315, if that countdown clock is real. Well, what I know is that you can't treat this like a Heisman ceremony. Don't give me two hours of broadcasting when you got the ballots counted. Let's know. Oh, Bob Costas is on the set. So uh, maybe something does happen. Again, we've got Nick Friedel on set in studio with us uh, in a little more than an hour from now talking some NBA. Peter King, as the focus this week is clearly the NFL and where the 49ers are going. It's a big NFC title game. In Philadelphia, uh, a big ratings bonanza for the 49ers and Cowboys for Fox. 45.654 million people, more than 45 million people tuned in for that game. It was the biggest audience of the entire weekend. Bengals and Bills did almost 40 million. Jaguars, Chiefs, 32 million the day before. Giants and Eagles, which would have gotten a bigger number had that game not really been blowout city. Uh, comes in last, which is odd because those are the two biggest markets in the playoffs, but that's what happens when you're skinning another team alive. Well, it also is what happens when you put the game on Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's a bigger ratings death knell than, than even Saturday afternoon. So as somebody was going to have to eat that. Well. Giants and Eagles did. We are not going to uh, be crying for the NFL with any rating. Ever. Yeah, no, there's, there's no reason to worry about If they that. drew no people, I wouldn't cry. For uh, about their financials, they're going to be just fine. Uh, I saw today, I clicked on uh, your article on the defector, and it was an about face from what we were talking yesterday about Dak. Uh, we, we both I didn't, yeah, I didn't do enough research. I said yesterday that the tweet from DallasCowboys.com was an indication that the Cowboys' official position was going to be that Dak was responsible. And then I looked at the story that it linked to, and it was largely a story about Dak Prescott accepting 100% of the blame. So it wasn't really about the Cowboys think Dak Prescott ruined their season. It was a, it was a story about Dak Prescott basically standing up and saying, yeah, I screwed this up. He fell on his own sword, which, which is, is what, what you want your quarterback to do. Yeah, so it was more performative than it was revealing of anything. But I had to make the correction because I was a dumbass. No, you just need to read. You know, click, that's, click. Click and read, Ray. Click and read. Well, I saw it when I was in here, and I don't have a lot of time to click and read. Oh, You could totally do something else during the actual show. Okay, great. I, I know you could. I know you okay, could. You work, on, work on your taxes. Uh, Dak not leaving Dallas. That seems to be the way it goes these days. And uh, Well, they can't move him anyway because his cap number next year is $49 million. It's a monster. He's going to have the second biggest cap number in the NFL next year. Yeah, next to Deshaun Watson, who really turned around the Browns. Yeah. 
big, big, big change for him. So uh, we've got quite a bit to get into this afternoon. We have the fact that uh, Kyle Shanahan's playoff resume continues to grow, and it puts him in some very, very elite company, if not ahead of some of the most elite company NFL coaches could ever keep. We have that for you today. And look, we also have the news that no 49er fan wanted to hear. No one wanted to hear about uh, Charles Amenahue. You screwed up, man. I mean, I, I don't know what the ramifications are going to be. I don't know if you are going to be asked to play or sit or what this weekend. But for those of you who did not see the story today, after a completely off-field incident-free year, six days before the NFC title game, Charles Amenahue picked up a domestic violence charge against him. The 25-year-old... You know, who's got an opportunity to raise his profile, huge rewards, standing on top of a you know professional mountaintop. Uh, and he does this. Police arrived at his Santana Row residence yesterday in the middle of the afternoon. It's not like this happened. I, you know, it's the old saying, nothing good happens after 3 a.m. And I thought, ooh, 4.39 a.m., something was bad. No, this was 4.39 p.m. This is like before... People's court is over on, on you know, you, what you're watching before you get for dinner. Uh, he shoved his girlfriend down. Uh, at least that's what his girlfriend called police to report, that he pushed her to the ground during an argument. He was booked on a misdemeanor domestic violence charge and released after posting bail. And, of course, the 49ers have already ducked behind the legalese of, you know, we're... we're we're going to let this play out here, and, and we'll get back to you on it. But um, Charles Menahue, got to make better choices in life, man. Got to make better choices in life. And you certainly, uh, there, there's just no one in the world can ever put their hands on a woman who's a man. And that goes double for 300-pound NFL players. Well, I mean, domestic violence cuts both ways, but most of them are man on woman. So, yeah, I mean, if if he did this... Uh, I'd have no problem with him not playing. In fact, I'd rather rather approve it. But the truth is, the legal system grinds so slowly that he will almost certainly play on Sunday. And then he will have to make his amends either legally or to his girlfriend you know, on his own time. If he doesn't dress on Sunday... Looks like Drake Jackson would be the first guy up. He's been healthy, scratched, not dressing over the last couple of weeks, so maybe that will be an option that the 49ers have in front of them. We've got our pal Nick Ferdell in about an hour from now. An audience with the King, Peter King, at 5 o'clock this afternoon coming up on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. Again, Nick Ferdell, 415, Peter King at 5. Until then, when we come on back, we will let you know if anyone got into the Hall of Fame because we should have an answer to that as soon as we get back here to 95 Seven the game. It's Damon and Ratto. Good to have you around this Tuesday afternoon. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now 
on 95.7 The Game. The Road to Glendale, brought to you by the SF Sheriff Office. Your future begins. Visit sfsheriff.com and apply today. Damon and Ratto with you, and uh, I guess it can't be a list if there's only one name on it. So we don't have a list to share with you about baseball's Hall of Fame. We got a class of one. Scott Rowland is going to the Hall of Fame with 76.3% of the vote. You need 75% to get in. And Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, just came up short. Uh, Andrew Jones, still very far away. Gary Sheffield, Carlos Beltran, Jeff Kent, only 49.5%. A-Rod, forget about it. Uh, there you go. That is your Manny Ramirez. He's going in the wrong direction, too. Omar Vizquel. He's at 19.5%. He's done. He's, He's never got no chance. It. Never. Uh, but there you go. Uh, you, you got a, a class of one. It is Scott Rowland going into the Hall of Fame. Seven years in Philadelphia before becoming a St. Louis Cardinal. His career petered out with stops in Toronto and Cincinnati. But a 18-year-long major league career that started with him winning the Rookie of the Year. In the first year, he was eligible for that. Seven-time All-Star, 2006 World Series champion, eight gold gloves, and probably Ray could have had more. When I think of Scott Rowland, I think he's one of the finest defenders I've ever seen with my own two eyes. I really don't remember him much at the plate, uh, even though he was. I mean, he was a good hitter. He was a two eighty one career batting average with over three hundred home runs. But it was Scott Rowland with the Hoover vacuum over at third that I remember the most, and I would say he is up there with the single greatest defensive third baseman probably to ever play the game. So Rowland is in a class of one going to Cooperstown. Yeah, I mean that's how he made you know, made his name. Essentially, he was a and he was a big guy, so you wouldn't have thought he would have been graceful. Yeah, there. six four, but he was he was a superb defender and a very good hitter. I mean, it just it's. I don't think I'm not offended by this. I'm not a you know I'm not a big hall guy, but I think he he earned he earned his way in. Um, you know, the eight fifty five OPS. Yeah, the 122 OPS plus. Those are meaningful numbers. You know, his war numbers are good. You know, I just, I, I, what I found interesting was that once again, there are people who have decided that, you know, pe- great players who use steroids aren't going to get a look. Alex Rodriguez did not clear 40%. And whether you like him or not, he was a tremendous player. Absolutely. By any standard, his numbers were far better than Derek Jeter's. Since he's the guy that will always be compared to since the Yankees went out and got him and put the two together. They moved Rodriguez to third and kept Jeter at short. And it's an indication that myth-making still matters in baseball because by any standard, save romance, Alex Rodriguez was a much better baseball player. But he's not going to get in the Hall of Fame based on this, based on this number. Yeah, look, the Hall of Fame is very comfortable not allowing the greatest right-handed pitcher of our time and the greatest left-handed hitter of all time into the Hall of Fame. You know, a guy like A-Rod's got no chance at all. <laughs> yeah, no, they... And it's not even the Hall of Fame. It's the voters basically have... Decided, which is sanctimonious pricks, is what I was telling you in the opening monologue. And those who didn't Glad vote you finally for it, see the light. Those, oh no, 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 I was never arguing that. But when you said most of them are sanctimonious pricks, that would mean that they were only getting ten percent of the vote. And Bonds and Clemens topped out at sixty-six percent. So really, only a third of them would be quote sanctimonious pricks. Thank you. Well, I just wanted you to be mathematically accurate. Thank you very, very much. Uh, It's a big ask to ask me to be mathematically accurate. Here's one thing that it doesn't take a a football mathematician to figure out. Even the most diehard 49er fan out there, I think, would admit that the game that was good enough to beat the Dallas Cowboys is a game that gets you beat in Philadelphia this weekend. They have to be better than they were against Dallas to go and get this win out on the road. The Eagles are are loaded to bear. They really are. That defense has 39 sacks over its last 28 quarters. That is the highest total over a seven-game span in the NFL over the last 30 years. And when I think about the Eagles, I don't even think of their defense first. 
They're an offensive team, and that's where my concerns got to lie. And they have that one wrinkle that has been officially a, fo- a thorn in the side of not just these Niners, but the Niners historically, uh, going back to the best of Russell Wilson with Seattle. They have an incredibly mobile hard to track down, speedy as hell quarterback in Jalen Hurts. And today on the morning roast, Brian Baldinger was talking about how Jalen Hur- uh, Jalen Hurts can hurt you with his legs and the cannon that he also has. He is so dynamic. If you give him a lane, he's going to take it. I said this, I remember I was doing a game when he was at Alabama. Alabama, Texas A&M. They were both undefeated. Alabama A&M. They were both 6-0. and Miles Garrett's chasing Jalen Hurts all over the field that day. And I said during the broadcast then, I don't know how fast Jalen Hurts is, but he's faster than everybody else on the field. I never see Jalen Hurts ever get caught. Ever. Like, he's as fast as he needs to be. And he's under control. The guy doesn't blink. He's difficult into getting to him to make an error. That's a challenge hmm. for the 49ers, is you've got to get Jalen Hurts to make mistakes. Yeah. However you do it, whether it's blitzes or schemes or you got to make him miss because otherwise, if he just stays on point, he's going to make plays. Like, I think he's the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. Yeah. People could challenge me on that, but I've watched him throw 52 plays over 20 yards down the field to A.J. and Devontae and to Goddard. He has got an excellent touch on the deep ball. He's good. He's real good. He's better than anyone thought that he was going to be. I, he's better than what Howie Roseman thought he was going to be. He was well, going to be the, the stop guy. He was going to be the, the stopgap quarterback while they found their franchise quarterback. Remember? In Carson Wentz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, but and it really bears mentioning, is that part of why Jalen Hurts is as good as he is is because the Eagles went out of their way to construct the best offensive line in football. And even if all Jalen Hurts needs is a, is a small crack, those guys present it to him. I consistently, and that's going to be, I think, where the game is won. Well, and if you're going to, you know, be one of the best deep ball throwers, you need a little time for that receiver to run deep, yeah. and they give him the time he needs. Or, really. if, or if you just need a second to hit the line and go, they do that too. Um, they're that. That's the one place where I think the Eagles are significantly better than the 49ers. Offensive line? Yeah, I think their offensive line across the board is superb. They may not have anybody as good as Trent Williams. Well, Lane Johnson is in any conversation. But but I was about to say, Lane Johnson is a guy who you mention almost immediately after Trent Williams. I'm willing to give the 49ers that because everybody agrees that Trent Williams is the best tackle in football. But the other four positions, the Eagles have it all over well, Jason Kelsey is going to go to the Hall of Fame. That's how good of a center he is. Lance Johnson, or excuse me, Lane Johnson, I don't believe has surrendered a sack in two seasons of football now. I mean, that is a steady Eddie right tackle that you'd think, well, if you're so good, how come you're not playing left tackle? Well, they don't need him to because they've got a very good left tackle as well. As good as Trent and, and, Williams probably. And Jalen Hurts runs both ways. He sure does. He sure does. He's, look, this is not going to be an easy game. There's, there's nothing easy about the Philadelphia Eagles, including preparing for them. Um, you know, they're going to ask Josh Johnson to put on, what, the, the green penny this week and pretend you're Jalen Hurts as we're practicing against Eagles looks. You just can't simulate that speed. You can't simulate that speed, but in practice, you're not going to anyway. It's, it's really the choices that Hurts makes and the tendencies he's got because the physical attribute your scout guy will never be as good as the other team's regular guy unless you're playing the Jets so you know Josh Johnson can't replicate the physical skills that Hurts has but they will ask him to study up and replicate his tendencies when does he like to throw where does he like to throw from and Josh Johnson has been doing this long enough that he'll be able to provide that for them. I'll tell you this in the little bit that I've watched of the Eagles this year. Jalen Hurts throws from uh, everywhere. I mean, he, he really one of the big nominations for the Oscars today is uh, everything. What is it, all everything everywhere all at once? Is that the name of that movie? By the way, spectacular movie. I hope it wins. I really do. I haven't seen all the Oscar nominations, but I saw everything everywhere all at once. As unique a movie as I've ever seen. 
It's it's really an A plus across the board, and it's a kung fu movie. So how do you argue with that? Um, that's what Jalen Hurts is. He's everything, everywhere, all at once. It can come from anywhere. So that is a tough thing to prepare for. When you look at what Brock Purdy is doing, and let's face it, Brock Purdy has made a living this year out of spitting all over the odds that he's about to fail as a football player. Brian Baldinger, again on the Morning Rose today, was saying that, you know, when you look at Purdy, when you look at his last game or two, you know, it's not a statistical... Um, it's 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 not the greatest football that's ever been played, but his greatest attribute is the mistake he seems not to make. The worst thing you could do with Brock Purdy at this point with me is just look at statistics. Because I see the guy throw the ball away, make the right play, which is throw the ball away, go to the next down, kick the field goal. I mean, those kind of things, you, you can't get him to make a mistake. You got Dak Prescott to make two bad mistakes. And that was the difference again. They led to two field goals. That was the difference in the game. It was the difference in the game. And look, man, he is he has just been, you know, playing what I mean, can we even say he's over his skis anymore? Or is he comfortably got his boots locked into the binding and these are the skis that fit him? And the skis say, You're a starting quarterback in this league. I mean, I think that's what we're seeing. The starting point was odd. No doubt about it. But look at where he is right now. He's looking to become the first ever rookie quarterback by the way to win a conference title game. So he's now going up against the entire history of professional football along with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he's just the fifth Ray to ever even get the shot of trying to be a rookie winning a conference title game. We'll see if he can hit the bullseye. Bucks rookie Sean King lost to the Rams in 1999. Steelers rookie Ben Roethlisberger loses to the Patriots in 2004. Ravens rookie Joe Flacco loses to the Steelers in 2008. A rookie Mark Sanchez and the New York Jets lose to the Colts in 2009. In seven all-time career starts now, Brock Purdy, you know, has already proven himself better than. Well, the quarterback that he just beat, you could basically say, because Dak is now known for the big mistakes that he's made. Brock Purdy is not identified as that. He has as many playoff wins as Dak Prescott. <laughs> that's that's amazing already in his career. And it's just, uh, it, it's an incredible story that is only going to ratchet up should the 49ers be able to win this game. And the one place, maybe the only place, where the 49ers have the advantage, like the clear-cut advantage in this game, is that the Eagles' run defense has been suspect. What, 27th DVOA and run defense this year? The 49ers need to, I think, in order to say they're going to the Super Bowl, I think they got to be looking at 200 rushing yards in Philadelphia, right? I think they're going to have to just dominate on the ground. They're going to have to because the Eagles are the best team in football against the pass. Well, I think the best Eagles defender, and I'm sure there's a lot of debate about who that is. And, and look, if you settled on the OG Fletcher Cox or you wanted to go with with Josh Sweet, uh, Sweat, who's had a huge, huge year, you could do that. To me, it's Darius Slay. Darius Slay is an incredibly good corner. And, you and James want, Bradbury, sensational at the other side. Yeah, you... you, you you're going to want to play turnover-free football again this week if you're the 49ers. You just saw how devastating it was to Dallas last week. Yeah. Oh, no. They, I can't project how this game's going to go, but Philadelphia is not going to give this away. The 49ers are going to have to earn it. They are. They're because gonna Philadelphia doesn't make that level of mistake that often. And if, if Miles Sanders doesn't get you as a running back, Boston Scott will. They're, they don't have a place where they're actively poor. Well, and Kenneth Gainwell is a really good running back, too. I mean, he makes plays and is in the end zone when I look up more often than not. I mean, he uh, a trusted agent, I guess you could say. Um, if the 49ers win this game, not only did they have a great day running the football against the Eagles, but I think Christian McCaffrey is catching that ball out of the backfield, which is the other area where the Eagles have been weak defensively all year. They got a secondary that can close down your 
fly patterns, if you will. But catching the ball out of the backfield is something... I mean, you've got to be willing to give it up somewhere if you're a defense. You cannot defend every blade of grass. You have to basically concede something. And that is the concession that Philadelphia has made all year. Go ahead and beat us with a running back coming out of the backfield. That sacrifice, that defensive choice, is probably the right one to make against most of the teams in this league. It's also a choice that if you make it against the 49ers, it's where you might get beat. Because not only have you got Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield... But you got Debo Samuel coming out of the backfield. Look for the 49ers to just be like it's it's kind of what got Dallas beat last week when they spent way too much time looking for money in the flats. I think there's going to be some money to be found in the flats for the Eagles this or for the 49ers at the Eagles this week. There might be, but you can't ask them to be able to throw the ball out of the backfield and then run for 200 yards. At some point, if you get 200 yards out of your running backs total, maybe you've got an argument. But it can't all run through McCaffrey and Mitchell. It's not feasible because Philadelphia will not let you do that 70 times. They're, they're going to have to do what they've done all year, which is predicate their offense on, on the running game. But Throw the ball enough times to wide receivers to keep the secondary guys engaged. Because if this becomes a Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell have to save us, they they can't do it alone. They'll just creep up, creep up, creep up. Well, yeah. And, you know, Darius Slays is good against the run as he is against the pass. I mean, that's how good he is. He, he might very well be the best cornerback in football. So the 49ers basically have to screw up zero times. They can't they can't punt in a go for it situation. They can't have a missed field goal. They can't fumble the ball. They can't throw an interception. Uh, they I don't want to say they have to be perfect because you can't be, but they have to be error free. I mean they can't do anything egregious because Philadelphia will torture them. Hey, it might be a game where they need to steal a possession with a little razzle-dazzle on a fake field goal or a fake punt. It's, it's, it's time to be prepared to get aggressive against a team that could come out like gangbusters at home. It's going to be a fascinating game. It really is. I'm excited That's for it. That's the two best teams, so it better be. Well, and it's, it's the game the NFC deserves. No, the game the NFC deserves is Bears Packers. No, 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 no. Because no this has not been a great conference this year. This well, has no, been about two teams. Well, that's the thing. So, the, and these are those two teams. Yeah. Which well, makes if you want to say the what they deserve, they, they deserve a crappy game. What they're getting is a game much better than the one they deserve. Well, it, it, look, if the cream is supposed to rise to the top at this time of the year, that's exactly what happened. We didn't need to see Eagles Cowboys 3.0 before we saw Eagles Niners 1.0. Like or or Giants anybody. I mean, everybody sort of liked the Giants as this cute little boutique team. Nah, they're they're deficient in a bunch of ways. Well, they were massive overachievers, which is a compliment yeah. to Brian Dable. And so and and so was Minnesota. I mean, just you go down the list. There were two teams that should be here, and everybody agreed all year long. The NFC is the poorer conference. My only point is, if they got what they deserved, they would have had a crappy conference final. It is. Their great luck that they got the best one possible. 888-957-9570. Gus Los Gatos. Hello, Gus. You're on with Damon and Rado. Hey, guys. Uh, love the show. I, I got to admit, I've admitted on your program before, I am a diehard Eagles fan. I'm actually going to the game on Sunday. And just as a fan of football, I cannot wait. I think it's going to be a heavyweight matchup. And... Both teams match up really, really well against one another. And I I think it's going to come down to this. I think if the Niners can run the ball and get into those third and threes, third and twos, they're going to have a good shot. If it's third and eight, third and nine with the pass rush, it's, it's a serious pass rush. I mean, this team almost broke the NFL sack record this year. In, in my opinion, this is the best Eagles. I haven't been... Ah, this is Gus, Gus, your your phone. Ever uh, seen. He's back. And I, I, but I still think this Niners team 
I, I know you're talking razzle-dazzle. I think they can line up and play against the Eagles. I just think you're going to be asking a lot from this quarterback you guys have. Oh, to go into Philly, it's, it's going to be tough for them. There's no doubt. There, I mean, look at it this way. There isn't a there. Aaron Rodgers. It would be tough on Aaron Rodgers too going into this game. It'd be tough on anybody. That's how good Philadelphia is, yeah. and that's how good they've been at home all year. The Niners cannot turn one dimensional, even if they start dominating on the ground. Like Ray said, they're going to have to do something to back that secondary up and make sure that the safeties aren't creeping up. And I do think that you're going to see Kyle Shanahan as deep in his bag of screen razzle dazzle in any game you've seen him get there this year because they're going to need convoys going down the field. They're going to need some downfield blocking to pop on a defense that that, that, that stays true. They, they, these guys don't get caught cheating anywhere. He's they, they've, they've got to deter the rush from teeing off. So that's why what they do every week is what they have to do and they have to do it incredibly efficiently. Well, which is get rid of the ball quickly so that Josh Sweat isn't dancing on your throat. When we uh, return, we'll get another comment from Baldy or two who is on the morning roast today. Uh, some have been insinuating that maybe Nick Bosa is a little more beat up than he's been leading on to. He has not been. He, we haven't heard Nick Bosa's name much since the 49ers started playing postseason. So maybe he is a little nicked up, or maybe he is saving hopefully his best for last as this team tries to go win a game in Philadelphia. And I don't see how the 49ers win this game if it's one of those, yeah, you need a little nuance to understand what Nick Bosa did today. I think Nick Bosa needs to have one of those two-sack, gaudy afternoons where you don't need any level of interpretation about how good his day was. You don't need to check the pro football focus score to see if he had a good game. You know he had a good game right away. Well, he doesn't have to have any sex for that to happen, but you have to Pressures. be able to notice him. Yeah, yeah. You have to be able to notice him. And remember, this is against the best offensive line in football, which is another reason why this is a fascinating game. It's it's the best versus the best. Got to like that. And in a, in a game like that, little things make a difference, and it's not stuff that you can point to, well, three weeks ago they did this, so this will work. Every, every game is a new happen. Every play is a new happenstance. More from Baldy, a little from Richard Sherman, some sound from Kyle Shanahan's conference call yesterday when we come on back, and we're a little more than a half an hour away from saying hello to our friend Nick Ferdell, who's going to join us in studio. We're going to talk a little NBA because it can't be nothing but three hours a day getting ready for an Eagles game when we got the Warriors who have a very interesting matchup coming up tomorrow. Memphis Grizzlies in town. And it's Tuesday. And it's Tuesday. So, you know, we got we got, we got to save Ray's willingness to talk about one game. But we have to, we have to parse it out just a little. Did you enjoy the Scott Rowland conversation? It broke up the morning. We'll maybe get back to it at some point in time because he is going to the Hall of Fame. But there you go. Our pal Nick Fridell about a half an hour away when we come on back. Some sound you need to hear. Don't you go anywhere. It's Damon and Rado on 95.7 The Game brought to you by Fremont Bank. Full service banking, no compromises. Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. The Road to Glendale is brought to you by Merrill West Credit Union. Working for you today, tomorrow, together, we, Ray and I, together, will be joined by Nick Ferdell in about a half an hour from now. Looking forward to saying hello to Nick. He's going to join us in studio. We're going to talk a little NBA with him. Obviously, Warriors got the Memphis Grizzlies coming up this week. We were kind of doing some math on them yesterday, what they needed to do in their remaining home games and road games. And I think conservative estimates, you know, have them coming in at best a few games over 500 this year. So... They're either going to change their nature quickly or change their team, which will change the nature of their team quickly, or they're just, they are who they are. And that might be the reality of this whole thing, too. Ray, meanwhile, should we let everyone know that you are on the Sacramento Kings bandwagon? You're lighting the beam? I'm not lighting anything. I just know they were fun to watch last night. Yeah, that's how it starts. Um, that's how it starts, Ray. That's how it starts for you. No, I told you that they were going to be a good no, team. You, this uh, year. No, 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 I'm not downing your ability to spot this, but 
they'd done this with a mediocre defense, which surprises me given that Mike Brown's the head coach. Here's the deal, though. But they're mediocre off- defense is twice the defense most NBA teams give you these days, right? Well, no, even by NBA standards, they're they're allowing like 117 a game, which is high. But they're scoring 120, which hasn't happened in an 82-game season for a team since 1985, except two years ago in a shortened season by the Bucks. So in an 82-game season, nobody's done what the Kings are doing right now since the middle of the 80s. We're gonna just, go they just score all the time. In fact, they had a, a stretch starting January 7th where they went over 135 straight games. I mean, that's Denver Nuggets at their most manic. I mean, you just don't you don't do that in this get in this day and age yet, and they they've been doing it routinely. I'm just happy for Harrison Barnes. Guy's finally on a decent team again. He's he's a good guy in this league. He really is. He's the Senators, and he's nice been guy. and he's been helpful to them. I mean, he's by no means ballast. He's you know. He's getting routine minutes, and he's you know doing what he's done. So he's a competitor. That was uncalled for. Oh, he is a competitor. Yeah, but we didn't need Bruce Bochy to say. Yeah, a little Bruce Bochy is always going to make a radio show better, even this one. Uh, Nick Verdell is going to make this radio show a little bit better when he stops on by in about twenty minutes from now. Uh, we're going to go into possible trade options for the Warriors, what he thinks of their season so far. And I also, since he's been around them, through thick and thin, what does he think of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving now that he's a little less of a toxic, you know, uh, uh, you know, flashpoint of controversy every single time he opens his mouth and it's about basketball again. How normal has it been to just sort of cover this team because the Nets are starting to do things that they promised to maybe do earlier, you know, in the original, in the mind's eye, this is what they hoped it would be. Well, when they're all healthy, they're the second best team in the league. When they're not, there's a gap between them and the Celtics and maybe even between them and the Nuggets. But Kevin Durant is going to be reevaluated again in two weeks which probably means another four weeks before he plays. So you're maybe looking at the start of March if things go well. Um, and he matters to them because Brooklyn is not, for all that Kyrie Irving can do, he cannot be the best player on that team and for them to go deep. just There are too many other good teams that can deal with them. So we got Nikki coming in a little bit here. We're looking forward to that. Uh Man, I didn't. I didn't want to bring this up because I don't want to give him any more publicity than his his constantly seeking attention, sort of whorish nature deserves. The single lamest thing coming out of sports in the in this calendar year so far, since we're just you know in twenty twenty three. Have you seen this Skip Bayless throwing away the Dak Prescott video? Yeah, and it. Proved to me yet again that he is never off. He's always he's always imagining that somebody's looking at him, even when he's just in his own kitchen. Well, he thinks he's a content creator, and what he I mean, it, what he really is is desperate for attention, and that is the most. It's the dumbest, most performative video ever, to the point where you can almost hear his his wife or whoever filmed that yell action. Before he comes around the corner and then fake, like, crumples up the jersey, but not before he turns it around. So, you know, this is a Dak Prescott jersey. Make sure you see the name on the back. And it's it's so lame. And this is a 60-year-old man. 50-something, 60-year-old oh, no, man. He's, yeah. he's pushing 70. I mean, how desperate must you be? I mean, this is a man making seven, eight, nine million dollars a year already. And he's dying to be on TikTok like a 14-year-old girl. Skip Bayless is 71 years old. What? Yep. He's had work done. No kidding. But, that, but I'm not going to begrudge uh, him for getting work done. Do what you want to do. But you don't get to be America's uh, faux social critic and do something 
that a fan in his backyard would do. In fact, most fans who take a jersey and disgrace it usually at least put lighter fluid on it and set it on fire in his in their barbecue in the backyard. He couldn't even be bothered to go outside. He couldn't even be bothered to put a garbage can or a garbage bag in that garbage can, which means he removed the garbage bag that was in that garbage can. No, to he set didn't. up no to set up his performative video and as soon as they turned the video off, I guarantee you he went in that can and pulled that jersey out. No, I'll tell you what happened. He had somebody from Fox go to Home Depot, buy a garbage can, just put it in the kitchen, and as soon as the camera went off, the guy from Fox took the garbage can back and returned it. It's just so it's cringeworthy. Lame. It's but so- it's but it's him. It's so genuinely him that he would think that was clever. What's the worst video? That Skip Bayless throwing the Dak jersey away or Cowboys fans taking a gun out and shooting the TV it right in the screen after they saw their Cowboys lose? Have you seen those? <laughs> I have seen that one. And It's uh, the same thing. Well, Only Skip Bayless doesn't have to do this any more than they have to do it. When, when your audience is doing the same stuff you are, only it's more visually striking. You got it wrong. But then again, what doesn't he get wrong? His decades-long feud with LeBron James was phony 15 years ago. There isn't a genuine bone in his body. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a puffed-up marionette. Well, have you also noticed that in all these performative punched it out, shot it up, kicked it in, Televisions getting ruined by Dallas Cowboys fans. It's never a 65-inch state-of-the-art Samsung. It's always the, yeah, we were about to throw this out. The damn thing was about to blow out and on me anyways. This TV isn't even worth $100 anymore. It's always a piece of crap TV that is getting beaten upon. It's never some grandiose, stellar television 4K. Well, that all that tells me is, A, it's not only performative, it's smart. Because if you're going to put a bullet in a $500 TV, then you're not only a attention whore, you're a moron. Well, that too. And I just, you know, I, I don't want to get in any, like, funny ha-ha gunplay. There's been a little bit too much of that real going on around here. Yeah. What happened yeah. in Half Moon Bay is atrocious. No. What happened today over in Oakland is atrocious. And it's just, it's, it's disgusting. Oh, no, it absolutely is. But under damaging your television set, I mean... People were doing that in the 50s. You're not funny. YouTube doesn't want you. Stop it. Leave us alone. Richard Sherman on his podcast over on uh, Colin Cowherd's Volume Network. He had this for Cowboys fans. Cowboys fans, I'm sorry. You guys talked a lot on my timeline, a lot of comments on my videos, and you gave me a lot of ammo. I sat there. I didn't respond to a lot of them because I was sitting there holding this in. I knew this would happen. You knew this would happen. Dak knew this would happen. McCarthy knew this would happen. Jerry Jones knew this would happen because this is always what happens. And so next year, when your team's 13 and 4, whatever it is, or 12 and 5, just shut up and hope that they can beat the San Francisco 49ers. Because you know who's going to be there again? The San Francisco 49ers. Richard Sherman, rolling with those Niners to this day still. I like that. I, I like that. And and I wouldn't say he's wrong because you look at how the Niners are set up and they're set up to continue to do this for a while where Dallas is set up to be a year away from a major change somewhere. <laughs> you know, they're going to be looking for another. Co- I, I wonder, by the way, how much Jerry Jones is going to seriously just stand by and let Sean Payton take another job somewhere else. Oh, that's done. He's not take, He's not hiring Sean Payton. He's not going to pay him the $25 million a year that Sean Payton's going to ask for. And he's not going to give him the control that Sean Payton will insist upon. Because the only guy who gets to have control in that building is Jerry Jones. It would be so beneficial to the Dallas Cowboys for Jerry to just come off it a little. He can't. I, it's, he, is, he has to be the person who gets all the credit for the year that this all falls right. He's been the general manager since the day he bought the team. Well, and and how's that gone for you lately? It's not about results. It's about, I built an empire with me as the center of it. 
And the people who have failed me have failed me. I mean, you know, whether it was Dave Campo or Dave Wanstead, Jimmy Johnson failed him by not being properly, you know. Didn't genuflect enough towards the owner box. Exactly. I mean, the only guy who ever genuflected a lot for him was Barry Switzer. And he won him a Super Bowl with Jimmy Johnson's guys. And then when left to his own devices, failed spectacularly. You know who else? He couldn't win with Parcells. Was a first team all genuflector. It's why he kept the job for so long it was Jason oh, Garrett. Jason Garrett. Yeah. yeah. But no, none of this works for Jerry Jones, but it doesn't matter. There's a good segment. Who's on your first team All-American genuflecting list? Yeah, uh, Jason Garrett's doing that now on television. He's cringeworthy there, too. He's genuflecting to Maria Taylor. Well, Maria Taylor probably deserves it better than Jerry does. She certainly looks better. By the way, welcome, boys and girls, to your 4 o'clock hour. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.